Good morning, everybody. It's uh, great that you've joined this morning. I'm glad the time change didn't scare you off. It does look like a bit of a smaller crowd, so there's probably some maybe scrambling right now to get here. Uh, for those online, uh, you also may have beaten it, and maybe there's some people that will uh, have to tune in an hour from now. But uh, you're here, so why don't we, uh, if you're able, why don't you stand as we worship this morning together. Hosanna, Hosanna, 
saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Oh, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. faithful through every storm you'll be faithful forevermore you have done great things and I know you will do it again for your promise is yes and amen you will do great things God you do great things done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. And hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, you have done great things. And hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. conquered the grave you freed every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awaken the life oh jesus 
our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things, you have done great things, oh God, you do great great to have you here today. Why don't you just take a moment before you're seated and greet someone around you. Just wave, give a smile. It is great to have you here today. We ask you to be seated and we welcome all those that are joining us online as well. You're the ones that maybe some of you are still in your jammies because you didn't get up in time. You got the clocks all mixed up, but that's okay. We're here and we're ready to worship the Lord. Um, today, if you're visiting, we uh, welcome you to fill out a connection card that you'll find in the chair back in front of you. If you fill that out, you can do one of two things. You can put it in the offering plate, plate or if you bring it to the information desk at the end of the service in the foyer, there'll be a small gift for you. Um, a couple of announcements today. The first one is for our annual business meeting that will take place next Sunday, sorry, two Sundays, March 26. Thank you for keeping me on track. March 26 is two Sundays away. Let's not speed up March. It's going to be at 11.30 a.m. And we have two people nominated for administrative council, Leslie Smith and Claudette Wong. So we welcome you to join us for that meeting. Of course, only members will be able to vote, but others can um, take, uh, can sit in and watch the meeting if they would like. Um, we're looking to have another water baptismal service on Palm Sunday, April the 2nd. So if anyone is interested in being baptized in water, please let us know as soon as possible. And if you have any questions, if you're wondering about that, if there's anything you would like to know, please speak to one of the pastors. So that's it for announcements, and right now we can ask the children in JK to grade five. You can go and meet your kids' ministry volunteers over here by going around the back. Of course, our nursery is always open from the beginning of the service throughout the service, and we're going to um, ask the hospitality team to prepare to take up the offering. And as we do, I just want to say this little, let's bow our heads and say a little prayer for the offering. All that we are all that we do, all that we'll ever have, we offer now to you. So God, please take these gifts and use them for your honor and to bless others. Amen. God bless you. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. built on nothing less than 
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus.
made strong in the Savior's love and through the Thou art with me, 
nation singing louder Cause nothing has the power to save Your name is a strong and mighty tower Your name is a shelter like no other Your name let the nation sing louder Cause nothing has the power to say But your name Your much power in that name. So Lord, thank you that, that we can speak your name in, in so many circumstances and feel your peace and feel your presence. Would we not forget to, to speak the name of Jesus in our lives and in our circumstance? God, as we continue this morning and in this service and in worship, would our, our hearts just be open, ready to receive what you have for us this morning. That as we, we hear the words that, that Pastor Scott is bringing, that he's prepared, Lord, that we know that you've been preparing us as well, that Lord, that, that even if we don't feel that, would we just open our hearts to what's going to be spoken, that you're going to speak through, through what has been prepared to each and every one of us in a very unique way this morning. So God, we just thank you that we're able to gather, that we're able to, to tune in, that we're able to get this teaching from your word this morning. We thank you for, for everything that you do, all your many blessings. We just thank you for who you are and for your mighty, mighty name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're reading from John chapter 10, verse 11 to 16. And it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So, and so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. 
The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Thank you. You may be seated this morning, and thank you, worship team, for leading us. I can bet that everyone in this room, if I were to ask, and those watching online, has a favorite animal or did at some point in their life growing up. Maybe you absolutely love dogs and you have a dog at home that can do absolutely no wrong. Maybe you love cats and if you do, that's okay. I'll pray for you. If you were were to talk to my daughter, you'd hear her say that her favorite animal is a pig because it's pink. Can't argue with that logic. When I was growing up as a child, uh, there was a commercial that was run uh, about the elusive house hippo. Um, it, was, it was a very old commercial, and it was teaching children about critical thinking, which is hard, it's hard to critical think, think critically, rather, when there's a cute house hippo on the screen, and you just, it's, so, it's too adorable. But you'd be hard-pressed if you were to ask people about their favorite animal to find someone whose favorite animal is a sheep, and if that's your favorite animal, then maybe you're the exception. But I've, I haven't heard many people say that that's their favorite animal. And there's a lot of reasons, I find, why a sheep is not a favorite animal for most. Uh, Esther, my wife, will be the first to tell you that sheep are not fun creatures. When growing up, uh, she lived at a resort in the Ottawa Valley, and on that property was a petting farm with a few sheep. And so when I was preparing this message, I didn't have any personal experience with sheep because I grew up in the heart of Ottawa, in the middle of the city. You'd be... There's no sheep around there. And so I asked her if she had any sheep stories. And she was like, oh yeah, (laughs) I have some sheep stories. And and I don't like sheep and here is why. So when she was about 12 or 13, her sister was working on the petting farm at, at, at the resort. And Esther was following her one day, just being, you know, the clingy little sister. Uh, and, and on the petting farm, they had an enclosure. And in that enclosure, that's where goats and sheep both mingled together. Now it's important to note that Esther doesn't like goats either, but like sheeps a lot less. And so when she was in the enclosure, she decided to grab a branch with some leaves on it and feed the goat. Now the sheep, sheep didn't like that. The sheep wanted some food. And so in an act of jealousy, in an act of revenge that's bound for storybooks one day, the sheep charged at Esther and rammed her, right? Uh, And Esther was just flabbergasted that that happened. Her back was turned to the sheep. The sheep attacked her, essentially, and, and all because it was jealous that it wasn't getting fed like the goat was. You could say that I put the sheep in a bad mood. Some people are catching on to that one. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> so next time you are around sheep, just remember to bring a little extra food for it too. Throughout John's gospel, there are seven different statements made by Jesus that all start the same way. I am. I am. And the purpose of each of these is to point to his unique identity and purpose. Statements made by himself who reveal who he truly is. As the title today puts it, Jesus described by Jesus. He refers to himself in different ways, such as, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine, etc. And, when Jesus refi- and what Jesus reveals, rather, over the course of these seven statements is both surprising and encouraging for all who heard the words and are now reading the words that he has for us. And even though this whole thing could easily be made into a series all on its own, I want to focus on one spe- uh, specific I am statement 
that is found by Jesus in what we just read in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Now, this isn't to say that I believe this one is more important than all the others, but this one has been on my heart lately, and I believe holds significant truth for all of us today. And what Jesus does here is he expands on this statement by saying that he isn't just a hired hand who who is meant to babysit the flock, and he isn't going to bail on the flock at the first sign of trouble. Jesus makes this statement with great personal care towards his people, towards his flock. And this isn't the first time either that this metaphor is mentioned in the Bible. Often the idea of the shepherd and the sheep is used to talk about who Jesus is and who we are. In fact, over 400 times in Scripture, we are referred to as sheep. And over 100 times, God is likened to be a shepherd. So this is clearly an important metaphor that we need to understand to better understand the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. He has an amazing role, not just as a good shepherd, but as the good shepherd. There is no one like him. He is unique in his character. So if you plan on taking notes this morning, I would like us all to start on the same page with this simple truth that Jesus is our good shepherd. He is the one who cares and guides. To break this passage down for us today, I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at three different roles, in a sense, that are presented in his statement and how each one is so important to our understanding of this passage, of who Jesus is, and, our, and who we are. And so the first one I want to focus on is the sheep. References to sheep are found throughout the Bible. Uh, sheep are often used as sacrificial animals. They were also a primary source of income in the culture of that day. The Bible even refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. But sheep are also used symbolically to represent God's people. As I mentioned a moment ago, there are a couple hundred times throughout Scripture that humans are compared to sheep. It's a very common metaphor in the Bible. But the fact is that this comparison isn't, it isn't necessarily a compliment in many ways. When we think of sheep, we probably think of fluffy animals, green fields, and learning as kids that when we count them, we can become sleepy. But the reality of sheep is quite different than that. Obviously, you can tell from my wife's personal story that, 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 is, that is the case. But there are so many other reasons that point to the fact that sheep just aren't the smartest of animals. The prophet Isaiah speaks of this in an often quoted verse from Isaiah 53, verse 6, which says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 12, another popular passage which describes the good shepherd, it says shepherds often have to go out in search of their sheep who got separated from the flock. Verse 14 of that same passage says that shepherds always have to lead, have to lead their sheep out to good pastures. Why? Because they can't find food by themselves. Sheep just aren't the smartest of animals. And please, don't take that as an insult when the Bible refers to us as sheep. And you may push back and, 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 and say that humans are smart, and that is completely true. I mean, just looking at the modern advancements that people come up with on a daily basis, from medicine to transportation to technology, that makes our lives so much, so much easier and so much more comfortable. People are smart, but we also recognize that people can act, live, and make decisions that can be both smart and foolish at the same time. And it's the same with sheep. And there are a few ways that this is the case. First of all, sheep are one of the few animals that do not have a defense system or even a sense of self-preservation. Sheep make for excellent prey because of this lack of a way to just protect itself. In fact, a sheep's defense in situations like this is to just run away. 
It's just a flea. In 1 Samuel, David goes into detail about how he had to rescue his sheep from a, pedi- uh, from a predator when it attacked. A sheep needs a shepherd because without one, they have no way of saving themselves. When it comes to self-preservation, if you leave a sheep in a pasture, it will actually just eat all of the grass. But it won't just stop there. They will actually pull out the roots of the grass and eat right down to, to the dirt and the mud and the muck. And they will actually end up dying there. Sheep know what they want and are driven by those desires, which is why they need a shepherd to move them from one place to another or else they consume their whole food source. Sheep are helpless without a a shepherd. Second, sheep are notorious for following the leader, regardless of how dangerous or foolish that may be. History is is full of tragic uh, illustrations of that herd mentality in action, that sheep-like mentality. Right? It was even shown when uh, Pilate brought Jesus before the people to ask what should be done with him. Only days before, Jesus had been teaching and, and had a following. He was popular. People eagerly followed him. But less than a week later, the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barnabas instead. And within moments, that very crowd that had witnessed his miracles was shouting, crucify him. A third reason human beings are compared to sheep in the Bible is that sheep are prone to wander away from the flock. A sheep's only chance of survival is with the flock under the care of a competent shepherd. And yet sheep become overconfident, rebellious, or distracted, and they wander away. They spy greener grass in the other direction and fail to take notice when the flock moves away. One of Jesus' most famous parables is about a lamb that strayed so far it became lost. And then Jesus, the good shepherd, left the 99 sheep in the fold and went in search of the one lost lamb. See, sheep are significant throughout the Bible. We can learn a lot about God and his dealings with humanity by understanding their nature. They teach us about God and his desire to love and care for each of us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. When we study the ways sheep are used as teaching tools in the Bible, it helps us better understand ourselves in relation to our good shepherd. The next point is the hired hand. Now, when the Pharisees and the religious officials heard what Jesus was saying in our passage today, well, that they were shocked and and that they lost it would be an understatement. They started throwing things around like calling Jesus demon-possessed for saying something like this. And they, did, and they did this and said this because they understood the implications of what Jesus was saying. As he did earlier in the chapter during another of his I am statements, I am the gate for the sheep, Jesus is making a contrast between himself and the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He compares them to a hired hand who doesn't really care about the sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus speaks of thieves and robbers who looked for a way to enter the sheepfold in a, in, in a way that was stealthy, sneaky. In that passage, the Jewish leaders are contrasted with Christ, who is the gate. Here in John chapter 12, the hired hand is contrasted with the true and faithful shepherd who willingly gives his life up for the sheep. Someone who is, who is hired works for wages, which are his main consideration, his main concern. His concern is not for the sheep, but for himself. And interestingly enough, the shepherds of of ancient times were not usually the owners of the flock. And despite that, they were expected to exercise the same care and concern that the owners would. This was characteristic of a true shepherd. 
However, some of the hired hands thought only of themselves, and as a result, when a wolf or a predator appeared, the most common threat to sheep in that day, the hired hand abandoned the flock and fled, leaving the sheep to be scattered or killed. And if you had a lot of sheep and no sons back in the day, you hired someone to do the job. But good help was hard to come by. Shepherding, as you may know, is, was a low-paying, low-prestige, fleeting occupation filled by those on the fringes of society. And hired hands were notoriously undependable. They were known to bail at the first sign or, of trouble or danger. They were considered so untrustworthy, in fact, that they were, weren't even allowed to testify in a court. Yet despite this, the metaphor of leaders as shepherds is still so common today. The shepherd, or the, rather, the shepherd metaphor portrayed kings and leaders as the primary source of care and, and concern and protection for their subjects. It emphasized the people's utter dependence on their kings or their priests or their leaders, since sheep are notoriously incapable of fending or caring for themselves. It also emphasized the importance of good shepherding, since sheep are in need of a shepherd. The role of shepherds in our lives can be played by many different people. Usually we think of religious leaders and pastors, but really, when you think about it, God has set up a bunch of human shepherding institutions. For example, there's the church, there's civic leaders, but there's also family. It's funny, we, I, I never really thought of this until I studied the passage, but the very first shepherds we have ever had in our lives were our parents. And it's in these that we are shepherded, shepherded these human institutions, but that's also usually where the problem is. The problem is that we can point to any institution of leadership and see examples of different crises that have taken place or are currently taking place. The church certainly faces different crises of leadership all over the world. And even in the family, there are situations that take place that cause us to lose trust in, in those that we have seen in, in, in leadership over us. A lot of us have trouble trusting these earthly shepherds and for very good reasons. Right? We know what earthly shepherds can be like. We could have been born into homes where maybe the shepherds in our home weren't very good. Maybe it was more about them and not about the children. And that's the same problem with the example of the hired hand. It was more about them instead of the flock. Ezekiel chapter 34 says, What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? So for all the religious leaders, civil leaders, and parents hearing Jesus' words here, God rebuked and warned these shepherds who were concerned about feeding their, themselves and not their flock. And Jesus, he radically changed the shepherding paradigm, essentially. As he emphasizes in our passage today, there's a big difference between a shepherd and a hired hand. And, what, and this is emphasized in his description of himself as the ideal of what defines the good shepherd, which leads into the third point the good shepherd. At the very beginning of this message, we established that Jesus was the good shepherd. He was the good shepherd, that there's no one else like him, and he is entirely unique in his character. That is true of him, but he is also the good shepherd, and, and there, is, there is a significant difference. He didn't just call himself the good shepherd either. He sets the standard in our passage for what a good shepherd is by proclaiming that the mark of a good shepherd is his willingness to lay down his life for the sheep. The Greek phrase that Jesus uses for good here suggests something like the ideal or, or the pinnacle or the perfect example of something. 
And so the hired hand will not defend the sheep and thinks the flock exists for his benefit. But the good shepherd lives and dies for the good of the sheep. The good shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. We may think of sheep being all the same, but the shepherd knows that they are individuals with their own personalities and characteristics. The good shepherd is also known by the sheep. Those under his care instinctively begin to know and recognize him by his love and his voice. He refers, Jesus refers here to the way sheep instinctively learn to recognize the voice of their own shepherd. And this reflects the close, knowing, personal relationship a good shepherd has with the flock. And here, Jesus compares that closeness and intimacy with his relationship, with the relationship, rather, between God the Son and God the Father. This echoes other statements in the New Testament, which tells us that salvation through Jesus brings us into an intimate family relationship with God. There's a real comparison to be made here between the way Jesus knows his Father in heaven and the way he knows his sheep. Jesus sees himself in the Father, and he sees himself in those who follow him. It is hard for me to overemphasize what a tremendous feeling it can be to, to know that I am known personally, intimately, and lovingly by the Son of God. And it's the same for all of us here today. It is a precious gift to all his people, and it contains within it profound personal fellowship and affection with the promise of eternal life. Jesus follows this with a verse that actually holds a lot of implications for us today. I just want to reread verse 16 of our, of our passage. It says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus refers here to the other sheep. And when he was speaking this to, to the Israelite people, at the time, those can only be sheep that are outside of Israel. In other words, Gentiles. But the Gentiles who would follow him are no less capable of following him than the sheep of Israel. In fact, Jesus makes it clear that the Gentiles would also hear his voice and follow him. And eventually, there would only be one flock under one shepherd. And this is, in my opinion, the great beauty of the body of Christ, the church. And Paul refers to it in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. And when Jesus was speaking uh, what he said in verse 16 of our passage, that was actually the moment. Right? That was so shocking to the Pharisees that they had accused Jesus of being a demon-possessed lunatic. Jewish people were more than comfortable with the idea of God preferring a certain group. Their national identity was that of God's chosen people. But now Jesus speaks about other sheep, those not currently part of the fold, which he plans to bring together to be united under a single shepherd, the good shepherd. And is not dissimilar to today. There are divisions in culture that stop us from seeing beyond towards the common denominator all those who proclaim to follow Jesus have. And that common denominator is Jesus himself. John is clear that in the voice of the good shepherd, the ultimate goal is one flock under one shepherd. That flock belongs only to the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That good shepherd is the one who has made the definitive call to all who will become part of the fold. 
The divisiveness that plagues both society and the church is contrary to that invitation. And what Jesus says in verse 16 that we just read, this is also an example set by Jesus for us to follow today. And as the good shepherd, Jesus is the ultimate standard for all those who find themselves in a role of leadership, in a role of influence to all who follow. And as the good shepherd, Jesus is the ultimate standard. Right? Sure, there's only one good shepherd. That is true. There's only one good shepherd. That is Jesus. There will never be a better teacher or a better example of what it means to be a good shepherd. But that shouldn't stop us from following his example and trying to be good shepherds to our children to our neighbors, to those who are under our care. Understanding the relationship the good shepherd has with his sheep offers an opportunity for us to actually reflect on how being part of that flock that belongs to the good shepherd, what it actually means to be loving all in all their diversity. And in all honesty, this one verse, verse 16, probably deserves a message all of its own because of the amazing implications it has for believers and churches. This verse shows us the true unity and diversity of the church. We are one body. We are one flock. The church is meant to be a place where people of every background, every orientation, every heritage, and every race are able to join together in harmony, praising our good shepherd. One other truth in verse 16 is that the Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation, but in community with other believers under the good shepherd. Sheep aren't independent creatures. Right? To thrive, they must be part of the flock under the protection of a shepherd. Sheep that stray from the flock can get eaten. Right? So even though you may not like some of the sheep that the Lord has brought into his flock, we need to work hard at harmonious relationships. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you just come to church without actually being a part of it, you're missing one of the main sources for growth and encouragement in your life. And Man, this verse holds, or rather, it has become one of my favorite in the entire Bible because it holds so much application for the life of a follower of Jesus. It establishes the role of the good shepherd as the one who brings together all of his sheep, right, under his care without distinction and without prejudice. That's a major reason why he is the good shepherd. And that's a major distinction he calls those who follow him to. If you find yourselves in roles where you can shepherd others, it must be done with sincerity, with inclusion, and sense of self-sacrifice that Jesus himself modeled as the good shepherd. There's too great of a need in our world for anything less than that. I'd like to invite the worship team up today. There's this uh, one video of of a sheep in particular. Um, I didn't bring it to play, but I'll just describe it. A sheep, it, it was running along the side of a road. It got stuck in a crevice. Right? And so the shepherd came along and rescues the sheep only for the sheep to immediately take off, take a few steps, fall in the exact same crevice and need rescuing again. And that whole metaphor of Jesus being the good shepherd and us being part of his flock summarizes pretty well my own relationship with Jesus in the past. You know, I, I find myself kind of stuck or lost in need of help. I cry out to him and Jesus comes alongside me. He rescues me and helps me back onto my feet. And then I say, thank you very much. I'm good. I can keep on going. And, and I run a few steps only to fall back into the same very, very same situation again. Much like sheep do. Maybe some of you can relate to that feeling or feel the same way in your relationship with Jesus. You only see him as the good shepherd when you're in need of him, but after the rescue, you find yourself back on your own. 
We learn from Isaiah that much like sheep, we are prone to wander away. When we wander like sheep, we are in need of rescue. And there are many things in life that try to hurt us, like predators to sheep. There are many things in life that that try to hurt us when we are separated from our good shepherd. Guilt is an example of this. It consumes so many of us. Regret is one of those things that robs us of our peace and our joy. Shame is another, and shame tries to convince us that um, that we are a mistake or that God made a mistake when he made us or that we aren't worth the rescue. Sin is a predator that separates us from our good shepherd. But Jesus is the good shepherd because he will go after the one who is lost and in need of rescue. There's a quote I'd like to, to read you. I found very profound. It says, Jesus is the good shepherd because when the wolves came after you, they got him. When the wolves came after us, they got him. When we were lost and in need. Jesus was the one who stepped out. He went to the cross so that we didn't have to ourselves. The reason Jesus is the good shepherd is because he is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life for you and for me. As we see how the Bible promises a rescuer and a shepherd who looks after his own sheep, we can rest confidently. Confidently, as we have seen the promise come to fruition in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have full assurance in who he is because Jesus did not stay in the grave, but he rose from the dead and is now seated with the Father. We can trust his voice. We can trust his voice. The voice of the good shepherd. There's no one who loves like him. There is no one who cares like him. There is no one you can trust like him. And there is no one that is good like him. The one who knows you, calls you to him, leaves the 99 for the one. There is no one like our good shepherd. As we prepare to close off our service today with a final time of worship, maybe you recognize the the areas in your life where you haven't trusted the good shepherd. There may be a lot of barriers placed between you and experiencing the good shepherd. Maybe you recognize that like a lost sheep, you, you have been hurt or wounded, and you need the tender hand of our, of our shepherd who can rescue you and save you. And if that's you here today, I would like to be able to take a few moments as we worship to come down to the front and pray with you. You are free to come up, and I, and I will pray with you during our time of worship. And if that's not, not you, if, if it, or, if you, or if you have something you're not ready to share yet, that's perfectly okay too. Just join us as we worship this morning and allow the words of the song, allow, allow the Holy Spirit to impact your heart and to, and, and, and to just show you how good he is. Listen to his voice. Trust in him. Because there's no one quite like our good shepherd. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning.
I'm laying it down I know that I need you I run to the Father Fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I run to the Father Again and again and again and again Whoa Son for redemption, the price for my heart. And I don't have a contact for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I. Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again.
freezing away My heart found a surgeon My soul found a friend So I run to the Father again and again And again and again Jesus, we worship you this morning as our good shepherd, as the good shepherd. Jesus, as we pause in this moment of worship to just recognize your voice and to put our trust in you and to recognize that you are good, Lord, may you speak to each and every one of our hearts. Jesus, whatever we are going through, whatever we are facing, God, we, and even the unspoken prayer requests, Jesus, the ones that we are, that we are holding or that we are, that we are scared of or that we are, that we are just simply just trusting you with because we don't know what else to do. Lord, I pray that you encourage us and that you equip us. Jesus, comfort us in our time of need, we ask. God, as, as we lift up prayer requests today, we lift up Nelsia Lazar and her upcoming surgery. Jesus, may you have a hand upon the doctors and the nurses that are performing the surgery. May you give Nelsia strength. God, may the healing process afterwards be quick. May she not experience any discomfort or complications. 
Thank you, Jesus, that we can recognize your hand on our lives, guiding us, shepherding us. Jesus, thank you that you call us to yourself, that you rescue us, that you gave your life for us. God, a sacrifice and a love that is indescribable. God, may we hold that truth in our hearts that you are our good shepherd. And as we go about our weeks coming up, may we be reminded that you go, that you go with us, that you go before us, and that you lead us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week ahead. Enjoy March break, all of our students. And we'll see you next Sunday.